Hi friends, welcome to the show. I'm sure you're wondering what this is and who am I? Well, the Late Bloomer podcast is dedicated to all of those who think everyone else has their shit together. This show is meant to spotlight the struggles, the sacrifices, and the pains of getting through life. I'll be speaking to a variety of guests, including black fashion designers, new and old friends, and also a few surprises. Hopefully, you'll get to know them all more intimately. The Late Bloomer isn't meant to be perfect, and this isn't meant to be serious. I hope you do get something out of it, though. Like I said, I'm not here to be serious. Rather, have silly conversations pertaining to serious topics. So, enjoy the show. Let me know what you think by rating, and again... I sincerely appreciate you for even getting this far. The rest is the whole mess. I was a late bloomer, which I would recommend to anybody. I was gonna ask, yeah. are you a late bloomer in other aspects? 100%. We're a family of late bloomers. We love Vicky. <laughs> Vicky and I had a great conversation about retail math, being broke, and taking the first steps in anything you're trying to pursue. Vicky was born in Columbus, Ohio, but is now based in Houston, Texas. She's a first-generation Nigerian. She attended Ohio State University and studied communications and dance. She went on to law school afterwards, attending FAMU College of Law, but decided not to practice because fashion and the arts were always her passion. She moved to New York and attended fashion school at FIT and studied international trade and marketing for the fashion industry. She worked primarily in marketing and product development before deciding to start her own clothing brand. She launched Joan Atelier in October of 2019. In addition to Joan, Vicky also enjoys fashion styling and creative directing for other clients. I would describe Joan Atelier as modern, mixed with natural, mixed with confidence. Hi, Vicky. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Good. I know. We, we chatted a little briefly before I started recording, but... I like to start the conversation with a how are you, how are things, yes. what was your day like today? How was your day today? Um, day was okay. Um, I went to the gym earlier because I'm trying to get back on it. I slacked for a couple months, so I'm just trying to get back into it, drop all the pounds that I've gained. <laughs> yeah. How did you spend your Thanksgiving? Um, I'm in Houston, Texas. My family isn't here, so I didn't travel to go see them. So I was just, we just did a Zoom Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. it was fine. Oh. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? My Thanksgiving was quiet. It was just me, my boyfriend. I did do my first turkey ever. Oh, how did that go? <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say it came out fantastic <laughs> um 
It was slightly too rich. I think we used too much butter to be. Honest. Oh, okay. But other than that, it was. I was actually pleasantly surprised because I was kind of. I was slightly freaking out before. I was like, "Oh my god! Like I'm gonna burn mm-hmm. this thing. I've never oh seventeen a thirteen pound turkey." <laughs> um, and especially I, I'm. I live in New York, so ovens in New York are. Oh yes. I used to live there, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Did you, what part of New York did you live? Um, I lived, the first three years I was there, I was in Brooklyn, like close to East New York. Um, and then I moved to the city in, uh, where did I live? It was Upper Manhattan, Upper West, uh, 204th Street. So all the way up in Inwood. Okay. So I, my first, when I first moved to New York, I moved to Harlem. So I was on okay. like 139th. Is okay street and then last year we moved to brooklyn so now i'm in crown heights oh nice do you like it i love it it's really it's heartbreaking because i feel like we might have to like move out specifically because what's happening with the pandemic and it's just like it's just not sustainable right now mm. you know that's just the reality yeah. of it um but it's kind of i love it here it's like it's yeah. i've always dreamed of living and moving to new york and like starting it every everything here so mm-hmm. yeah Brooklyn is my favorite yeah I love Brooklyn yeah it's it's like I still feel like it's the city but it still has its like quiet homey mm-hmm. people that I really really like and I like that the buildings are only like four stories high like it's mm-hmm. not like, skyscrapers or like buildings that have like thousands of occupants yeah yeah Okay, well, now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> I found you on Instagram, and I found your brand page on Instagram, and I wanted to reach out because I loved your aesthetic, and I wanted Thank to you. basically just get to know you, because that is kind of the point of Mix With Black. It's just kind of to get a little more intimate with the designer and the creative behind mm-hmm. the clothes, um, because at the end of the day, we all are human, and we're all doing things just okay. to- get by and make it. (laughs) (laughs) So if you will please just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your brand and when it started, why it is the name it is, because your name is Vicky. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. It's not, it's not Joan. (laughs) But, um, so I'm Vicky. Um, I am Nigerian American. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so I was there through college. moved to Florida for a short while for school and then moved to New York. I'm sorry to cut you off. Which school did you go to? Cause I'm from Florida. Oh, I went to FAMU college of law in Orlando. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm from Miami. So that was, Oh, okay. Yeah. During our college trip, that's one of the colleges, the universities that we visited. Oh, that you frequent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I didn't get the full kind of like HBCU experience just because the law school's in Orlando, mm. not in Tallahassee. So, and it was a pretty diverse, you know, class, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I lived there for three years and then I moved to New York um, and I love New York. It was just that I had aspirations to start this brand and New York is expensive. So, you know, staying there didn't seem like, uh, feasible in order to do what I wanted to do. So that's how I ended up moving to Houston. 
um, and starting Joan Atelier, and it's actually an acronym, Joan, and it stands for John T. Optimistic, Audacious, and Natural. So it's just um, descriptors of like who my target audience is and women and the clothes that embody those different um, characteristics. Um, and then Atelier is just fancy, fancy French word for workshop studio. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so that is the background on the brand. I started it in 2019, October 2019. And then um, five months later, we have COVID <laughs> happening. So I actually still have like, I still have some like restocks still stuck in Nigeria because that's where I do uh, predominantly most of my production. <laughs> um, so I kind of had to adapt and think of um, something else that I could come out with and, and produce um, so one of my popular items is the sweatsuit that I have, um, which seemed pretty fitting since everyone was stuck at home or is stuck at home still for the most part, except for the rebels. But, um, <laughs> so that was a good idea. People really liked that. Then I did like t-shirts, like the t-shirt that I'm wearing now. Where does mo most of your inspiration come from? Um, it comes from, I'd say kind of like just everyday life, really. Um, and I'm, I like to think of different ways of, think of different ways of doing things. Um, or like, I really love like my first collection. Um, it was kind of men's word inspired with some of the elements that I had on the top. So like bigger cuffs, like, you know, like button down shirts, mm -hmm. um, structured yet having kind of flowy elements to, to different pieces. Um, so I really love menswear. Um, and more recently, as I've gotten into like the casual stuff, even like streetwear stuff and just thinking of how to make things even feminine or, um, you know, flattering, how to mix it up, how to mix and match different things. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's just kind of like looking at what's around me and kind of putting my own stamp on things. Yeah, um, I think that's a way I could describe it. Have you only worked within the fashion realm? Have you only worked as a designer or did you have any like other fashion job? Um, I did have other fashion jobs. So um, when I lived in New York, I worked for a showroom for a while. So I went to FIT and so I did, um, let's see, I worked for a showroom for, for a while. Um, I did like branding and licensing within the fashion industry. Um, with another uh, company out there. Um, and then I did product development for Macy's for their children's wear. Oh, wow. Um, so. Product development. <laughs> yes. Wow. That's so I learned a lot through, through doing that and like communicating with the, you know, overseas manufacturers and, you know, costing garments, um, going through fittings, quality control, all that kind of stuff. I learned a lot uh, during my time in product development for sure. Okay, so <laughs> I will preface what I'm going to say by saying I took one product development class while <laughs> my time at FIT, and mm -hmm. I that was probably one of, like, I was the most excited for that class because I mm -hmm. was kind of, like, toying with that idea of kind of getting into that career because the whole purpose of me moving to New York was to become a buyer so I I'm mm. kind of like playing with like oh maybe I want to do product development instead because it's a little mm -hmm. closer to the product and blah 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 right right and then I took that class <laughs> <laughs> it was the hardest thing 
And it was oh, an intro class. It was an intro class for product development. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done because there's so like you're literally controlling the entire life process of yeah. that product and you are managing it and mm-hmm. you need literally every single skill that you can <laughs> possibly like you need to know math you need to know retail math you need, mm-hmm. to, you need to know excel but then you also need design skills you also need to learn how to like draw and I was just like <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it was more intense at FIT too <laughs> yeah (laughs) but but it's true yeah you do need like knowledge and all those things and what's funny is I actually didn't um I didn't have a background I guess you could say in in product development because my major was international trade and marketing for the fashion industry so um Macy's actually had a training program yeah um that you entered into so they taught you all the retail math and all that kind of stuff that you need to know one thing I was definitely surprised about was all the math that I needed (laughs) <laughs> I did not anticipate that. I was like, oh, cool. We're working with the designers, get the product <laughs> yeah. out on the floor. I was like, wait, what? We have to cost it and then we have to project the yeah. sale. And I don't want to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, yeah, it was brutal. And the same thing, I kind of had the same outlook as well. It was very naive until I actually started working as a merchandiser. Um, my last job was at Lord and Taylor. I didn't realize how much retail math that I needed. I thought I just needed, mm. you know, just the basics or whatever. Yeah. But like for the most part, I was like, oh, I'm just picking clothes and buying clothes and this and that. <laughs> and then I got to the office and every single day from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I was on Excel doing formulas, doing calculations, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. at, like comparing and contrasting like different things and literally analyzing numbers. And I was like, wow. This is intense. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, definitely. Even on the buying side of things, I didn't know that too until I got into a uh, product and then we'd have to work with the buyers. And yes. sometimes like we were a little bit more of the creative end too, because we worked closely with the designers. So we'd be like, oh yeah, we love this style. Da, da. And they're like, mm, that's similar to this style. That didn't do well based on the numbers. Yes. So I don't think we're going to, I'm like, what? That's the best top we, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it yeah it's heavy numbers heavy numbers yeah that broke my heart partly (laughs) honestly that broke my heart because I too I would like go on like market appointments where we would go to the designer like showroom and my initial reactions to like pieces I would be like oh my god that is so cute that is so cute that is so cute and then the buyer would just be like no no that didn't sell (laughs) kill all your dreams didn't sell that last year didn't sell two years ago and didn't sell five years ago. right exactly I'm gonna buy it this year and I'm just right. like well I would have bought it, it <laughs> <didn't sell you."> <laughs> exactly <laughs> it, was, it was intense so anyone who wants to get into buying or product development know that you need retail math experience yes you do <laughs> I was looking through your website and I saw a part where you wrote, how do we celebrate our wins? And it was kind of based around your inspirations tab on your website. 
Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of expand on that because like my first, the first thought that I had after reading that was kind of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like for mm-hmm. some reason that was just like what came straight to me. So I was just kind of interested to know what that meant for you. Girl, so <laughs> I don't know if anyone else goes through this, but like what since I like do like pretty much everything myself, you know, like I remember, you know, doing the website you know, being all in it. That was like a year ago though. And there are certain aspects on my web- website I don't like revisit. So I don't even remember. <laughs> I love that. No, honestly, I love that. This That's is- honest though. Cause my brain is everywhere doing everything. So I'm like, I don't, am I supposed to remember that? <laughs> I'm bad. <laughs> you know, honestly, I love that. I really do love that answer because that's, that's so real though. That is so true. <laughs> We're not all perfect. Like, we don't all remember no. everything. I just need a little refresher, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember my memories. <laughs> okay. All right. So, basically, <laughs> on your – let me see if I can just click back so I can get – I'm trying to remember what under my inspiration. Let's see. So, yeah, under your Fall 2019 Inspiration tab. Yes. You have – I do remember that tab. <laughs> <laughs> you have – it's titled – or it has like a heading, Le Combat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Le Voyage. Mm-hmm. Um, inspo. And then basically, I won't read the whole thing. I'll just kind of read the f- sentence before and then the sentence that I was kind of highlighting. But you say, how do we move forward when life happens to us? How do we celebrate our wins? How do we simply live our lives to the fullest while not allowing life to define us? That's why I mentioned imposter syndrome because I'm just yeah. trying to get to know that phrase and it is so relatable to me. Like, I feel like yeah. that's exactly how I am sometimes where I am literally making excuses for my wins and mm. go just putting the wins in quote, which is such a natural. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And that's when I, I know what you're talking about. I can remember now, <laughs> but, um, but that was, I wanted it to be relatable and, and that, um, um, that collection, it was just in French and it just means like the journey and the fight, basically. So when I created that collection, I was in a place of my life where I feel like things didn't go like how I had planned them to go. You know, I, even even starting that line was a lot later than I anticipated, you know, being able to launch it. Yeah. Um, and just being able to celebrate our wins because I'm very much like you said, um, it's easy to see the stuff that goes wrong. It's easy to, you know, to see all those things, but to actually acknowledge your progress and celebrate yeah. those things. Um, so that's kind of like the fight in, in the journey. It's like the journey of life and just making sure um, that you're fighting against those, those things that, you know, doesn't, that allow you to harp on all the negative stuff. You don't want to harp on all the negative stuff. Um, yeah. You want to acknowledge where there's room for improvement and growth, but you also want to give yourself grace and um, acknowledge how far you've made it, how you, you know your fight that you're that you're going through. And I just I loved um, the fact that you posed it as a question because it got me thinking. Honestly, it really did really get me thinking. I was like how do I do that? Like, how should I, like, how do, how should I structure it? Because me personally, just how I am personally, I feel awkward talking about things sometimes. So then it kind of made me think maybe I should draw it or maybe I should just write it in my own journal, but just to acknowledge it in some sort of form. So I really enjoyed 
seeing it as a question because it it really did kind of jog my own thought process of my own things and it was just it like you said it was very relatable i was just like wow mm-hmm. this is deep we're just <laughs> reading one sentence it's me emo <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I connect to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you could connect with it though. But yeah, but that was, yeah, that was the goal of it. And, um, and then even finding our own ways of doing that, like some people are able to be really transparent and vulnerable exactly. on social media, just with like talking to a camera, but that's like, that makes me cringe thinking about it. I wanted to be able to get there to be able to do that. <laughs> But I find it easier to do it within like pieces of art, yeah. you know, whether it be like a voiceover of a video, because I've done that a couple times, um, or some other fashion, right. um, being able to express those things, um, or even finding, um, you know, not even reinventing the wheel, just finding a quote that is really relatable and sharing it. Yeah. You know, because surprisingly, like I, um, I would do that from time to time, just sharing like inspirational quotes, and I'd get a lot of like responses to those different things that I'm sharing. I didn't make them up; I'm just reposting. But they're like, "Wow, I needed to see that today." You know, so even doing something that small. Do you know the account? Be the urban. Yes, love it, girl. <laughs> That one hits me every single. I'm like, are they watching me? What's every single post? You can look for my comments on every single post because I'm always like, y'all, y'all got me today. Y'all yes. got me today. You hit me real good today. Like, yes, they they are. That reminded me specifically of that. Yes, they're always hitting the nail on the head. Always. always. And I have so many of those posts saved. <laughs> That's all I have saved. <laughs> all I have saved. But yeah, they're just literally reposting whatever they're doing, but they're reposting something and it just really it hits me really well. So mm-hmm. yeah. favorite genre of music um can it be a tie am i asking too many questions did i really mess it up (laughs) (laughs) um it would have to be between um i'm gonna say two r&b and afrobeats okay r&b from what what year for years (sighs) um I think I would have to go like there's there's like this kind of new moody age R&B that I like now but I think 90s R&B always like you know has my heart <laughs> that's that's my shit too yeah <laughs> that hits always so well coffee or tea tea how do you drink your tea mm, rarely <laughs> <laughs> If I had to choose between coffee and tea, it'd be tea, but I don't drink it that much. I don't drink either that much, so, but I don't like, but one thing is for sure, I don't like the taste of coffee. I prefer the taste of of tea, especially with honey in it, like when just adding natural honey. Where do you want to retire? Um, specific place I don't know, but it'd have to be somewhere tropical for sure. Because okay. I love warm weather and I love the beach. So that would have to be in close proximity. 
Okay. Spicy or sweet? Spicy. Mm. Dog or cat? Dog, for sure. <laughs> you have a dog. You Cats are sinister. Look, sorry everyone has cats. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I prefer dogs. My boyfriend came with a, a cat, so... He came with a cat? He came with a cat, so I had to be friends with okay, cat. You guys are squaring <laughs> off, staring... <laughs> Stare at each other down. <laughs> she has her moments where, like, she's so adorable and so cute, and I can't help it. But then she has moments where I'm just like, this fucking bitch. Like, <laughs> dream collaboration, designer-wise. Um, designer. If I had to collab with another designer, it would probably be Anifa, mm. who created Hanifa. She's super talented. I've I've been following her like for a really long time. Like, I had. Even when I lived back in New York, I actually had her make me a custom piece. This was like so long ago. This was like 2012 when she was still like, you know, working out of her house and all that kind of stuff. So it's just amazing to see how much she's grown and everything. But she's super talented. Describe your style, your personal style, in three words. In three words. Um, I feel like my style has changes so much. Sometimes I'm like a chameleon with my style, but I'd say lately it's been kind of like a elevated tomboy. Mm, I like that. that elevated tomboy, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it too. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset, for sure. <laughs> okay. Queen Latifah in Set It Off or Queen Latifah in Bringing Down the House? Uh, set it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vintage or new? Vintage. Do you consider yourself an introvert or extrovert? Introvert for sure. It's so funny. It is so funny to me because the number of people I've spoken to and they all consider themselves introverts. Really? Yes. I, I think I, people don't know what it actually means to. I think most, like, almost every creative I have spoken to or have come in contact outside of all of this, they have, like, I consider myself an introvert and everyone else I have spoken to considers themselves an introvert, which I find so fascinating to me. But maybe, maybe that could be valid, though, as, like, creatives, because of how we, maybe of how we use our brain and muscle and stuff. So we probably need a lot to like recharge. So other people, we probably exactly. get drained a lot from other things yeah. and need to step back and recharge. So that could be that's, like, that's exactly how I figured out the difference. I can't remember exactly where I read it, but I had read something similar just like that, where it kind of defined mm -hmm. an introvert and extrovert. Cause when I was growing up, I was kind of like, well, I like to talk to people and I like to interact with people, but like I need to be by myself. So I wasn't sure yeah. like where I'd lie, like where I was. And I read something and it said, you're an introvert if you can go out and you can socialize and you can interact, but you need to like come back in to recharge. Just like, right. That. Exactly. That was the key word. And then an extrovert, you go out and you socialize and doing that is actually what is recharging you is like right exactly it gives you energy yep yeah exactly so after i read that i was like oh yeah i am an introvert I <laughs> for sure <laughs> be coming home drained like oh okay my meter is low 
yeah, I, like after I go out, I'm like, all right, like I don't, I don't want to talk to nobody for a few. <laughs> For a few, I need a break for a second. <laughs> Favorite pastime? Um, <laughs> at first, I was like, I don't know what my favorite. And I was like, oh, no, I do know what it is. Watching makeup tutorials. <laughs> I love watching. Like, it's weird. Like, I love, like, makeup and watching makeup tutorials. But I don't want to do it on myself. Like, I can do it on myself, but I don't want to. I'd rather have someone do it for me. But <laughs> I just enjoy, like, watching people create whatever types of looks. Um, so I love watching Jackie Ina and uh, who else? Nima Tang. Um yeah, a bunch of people. So I just love watching them. And they're entertaining. I feel that. I'm the same with um, hair tutorials. I got stuff in on like YouTube influencers <laughs> and those hair influencers, they drive me nuts. <laughs> but I'm like addicted to it. <laughs> it, very, it really is though, because you can see like the, the whole process and you're like, oh, that's how it's done. Or, you know, or just seeing like, from nothing to now they've created this whole style themselves on their own head yeah. it's yeah. like oh my gosh I don't know if I have the patience for that <laughs> it never comes out that way I will just say that <laughs> right now my it just never comes out the way it sh is shown on the camera so I've come to the conclusion that like I need to just stop messing with it like I need to just stop thinking uh, that I am that at home do it oh, myself person it's just practice <laughs> it's just practice you just got to keep doing it and keep doing it and find what works for you <sighs> it just takes a lot of trial and error that's the yeah. issue <laughs> you're very optimistic thank you <laughs> <laughs> online or brick and mortar shopping online i've always been super online <laughs> like even before it came up even, i was an online yeah even before like i remember like discovering asos yes. like, 10 years ago yes. and yep i used to order everything from asos you Who remember karma loop yes karma <laughs> yep. loop was my damn i had a whole bunch of like shoe sites <laughs> that I used to go to but like I would do everything online like online never scared me plus I yeah. hate trying on clothes so me too and back then I was small enough to fit anything so I was like oh I'll just order it it'll fit yeah. <laughs> back then <Not laughs> but, <good. laughs> but um but I do enjoy um like when I lived in New York I don't know if you've been to um Dover Street Market I have not, but I know I'm familiar. You've heard of it. Yeah. So like, I love concept stores though. So, but I'll go to those places like for inspiration and just to yeah. like experience the store and not like actual shopping. Probably. If I wanted to buy something, I'd probably go back home and then order it online. <laughs> yeah. I too, very, very similar. I hate, like hate with a passion, capitalism. Yes trying on clothes like always hated it hated just doing the whole process or whatever whatever oh, uh. so same I was always online I was never afraid of it my mom used to I remember my mom would always be like how are you doing it like I just I have no trust in the internet blah, blah, blah. <laughs> nothing and look at her now she's like Amazon queen like every single day ordering something but anyways it wasn't until I went to FIT and I started going, like, taking classes there where it kind of, like, um, brought back that entire, like, the excitement of going into a store because I, I would, um, one of my classes was 
like a like basically retail management like the actual mm. store, brick and mortar store so a lot of our classes was going out to like just different stores and mm. it was actually like it it blew my mind because I haven't been in a store like that for so long because like I said I do all my shopping it kind of blew my mind how like creative store now like how many things they actually do in their brick and mortar stores like it is not like how it used to be at all no it is and that's that's what makes it fun so like I think like when I grow I would want a brick and mortar but not for like the sole purpose of shopping I would like want it to be like super experiential exactly and yes and just like that it kind of confirmed or kind of made me realize why people still do have brick and mortar stores Mm -hmm. and I remember before the class I was like why are people even like why do you even have a store people are just doing online stuff but then after experiencing it and there is like such a difference with when you experience and you walk into the store and like Mm -hmm. all the different services that they offer it is definitely a much different experience than just like shopping yeah This year has just been so unique. <laughs> There's been so many ups and downs. Um, so I'd say like when COVID hit, I was still like really new, only like several months in. Um, and one of the, one of my focuses for my brand was to produce primarily in Nigeria. Um, so when COVID happened, you know, for a while, nothing was coming in or out, you know. Um, and then now that shipments have resumed, the shipping costs are crazy, wow. are crazy. Um, so I've had some product that is still there <laughs> that hasn't come back yet or haven't come back because, you know, you know it's a little financially tight right now. Yeah. Um but I'll say, like, when I started doing, like, the more casual pieces um, and people were home more, I think people responded well to that. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to see that people were still, like, purchasing, you know, um, the sweats. Um, and so I think that was an upside. But um, I think the struggles, the biggest struggles, of course, is, like, now trying to reconfigure like how I'm going to put my more stylized, you know, collection pieces into play um, and making that happen um, domestically instead of overseas. Um, So trying to problem solve that Mm -hmm. or troubleshoot. And then um, also just like as a creative during this time, um, it's, I don't know, it's weird. It's, it's like, um, I found myself like you because there are people that you know share their stories and say oh you know even though we're in a pandemic my business is booming you know or whatnot or they're you know they might show like things that they're working on or what they're doing and then in your head you're like dang why am I not doing that why not I think that exactly why not (laughs) you know so you jump into like this comparison realm that you shouldn't jump into Mm -hmm. right 
Um, but that can affect like, you know, your own creative process. And I found myself kind of being in and out of that. Um, I'd say like for most of the year, I did a pretty good job of like not falling into that trap. Um, but then also because a lot of things or everything was shut down for so long, it was also hard to like get outside and just like find inspiration through working with other creatives or going places so that was kind of like shut down too so it was like trying to think of new ways to be creative without leaving your house or you know possibly putting yourself in danger like just trying to be keep that um creative spirit even though things in the world are so heavy too and i feel like i i feel a lot of what's going on um or even if there are people that I know who are growing, going through things like I feel like I feel that heaviness a lot. So trying to work through that heaviness, I find to be difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so there are times where I had to take, you know, social media breaks um, <laughs> or um, I haven't been watching the news for years. So I think that was a, that was a game changer in not watching. <laughs> I'm like, just tell me when I need to pack a bag and go somewhere. Just let me know if <laughs> that's all I need to know. I don't need to know by minute by minute how many people are coming yeah. down with COVID. That does not help me mentally in any way, shape, or form because either way it goes, I'm still going to have to go to the grocery store. So I don't need to know that <laughs> 100,000 people in one minute just go. <laughs> yes. So. Um, so I think it's just kind of like mentally staying afloat through all of this and trying to create and keep going, just keep pushing. And then um, also, you know, just trying to find a way to keep your business afloat too. Yeah. Um, but oddly enough, I mean, just through the things that I've like read, it seems like people are still purchasing a lot. Yeah. People are still purchasing a lot. And you would think that because a lot of people lost their jobs or out of work, that that wouldn't be the case. So it's kind of thinking about, you know, make sure I'm, I'm developing the right, um, and I guess there's no wrong or right product, but, you know, just making sure when I'm developing, I'm keeping in mind the state of things, you know, right now, um, and just maximizing on that so that my product is, you know, uh, it, it, it's still attracting people, you know, um, but being smart about the product that I'm doing too. So, and to kind of follow up with that, cause I kind of touched on it earlier and then you just kind of touched on it, like the whole mirage of the Instagram posting mm -hmm. and just like that constant seeing people progressing and being positive and doing all these great things. And then you kind of like, compare yourself like well that's not my situation like what's happening right. <laughs> like what why am I like what am I doing wrong so I guess my question is if you can just kind of share like what are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis to, to keep your business afloat like what things are you, like if you're looking for grants or if you're mm. you know what I mean what kind of things are you doing on the back end that isn't as pretty <laughs> that we need to know is actually happening and most um, small businesses are doing? Well, I don't know about everyone else, but I am a spiritual person. So for me, prayer is like yeah. number one. Like, I don't know how I would make it day to day or even have the ability to do the things that I do. And I, I believe that, you know, I'm, I'm not the maker of my creativity, you know, 
Um, so I acknowledge that. So I do a lot of, you know, praying, but of course there has to be action, you know, with prayer. So I have applied for grants. I'm actually going to be submitting one <laughs> when we're finished talking, but, um, staying on top of like different um, resources for creatives and artists. Cause there are, you know, I think when the, when COVID first happened, there were a lot like circulating on the internet. So like signing up for those newsletters and keeping, cause they, people applied and they're like, okay, we can't accept any more <laughs> applications. So they're like, there are wait lists for ones now and stuff. So um, just looking for those types of resources. Um, and then also trying to find other ways to make money. So, before I started my brand, I did photography. So I still do photography from, from time to time um, or just other creative projects, styling as well. Um, so that's just like other things on the side that I can use to supplement. There's no, that's thing. great. And I think yeah. that's exactly what I wanted you to touch on, kind of like the specifics of how you are bringing some sort of income with kind of, in a sense, a standstill, even though like with retail and fashion, people are still buying stuff, but mm -hmm. still, there are still things happening in the world right. bigger than that, that are, that is kind of, kind of putting a stop at certain, at some things. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I guess I just want people to hear that, that it's not just <laughs> like, it's not just like a keep going and everything's all happening. Like, no, like right. you have to do this. Right. And things career. are difficult for, Right. And for, and for small businesses, it's, it's harder because, um, you know, shipping costs have gone up to like with USPS and, you know, there are little things here and there that probably wouldn't make or break like a larger corporation, but those little things here and there for us are like, oof. <laughs> I saw, I saw a post the other day that it was like, oh, starting a new business, website fees, all the, the, these fees. And then it's like launch day sales, zero dollars. <laughs> So it's like, there are so many different things that, you know, you have to pay for and keep up with. Yeah. So just even like a little dip in sales or an increase in fees, whether it's to produce your product or shipping or whatnot, it, it takes a toll on, on small businesses. It really does. <laughs> question um it's kind of like a what advice you would give someone who is maybe in the same shoes as you who wants to start a brand has an idea uh, of like a business like this I guess and I kind of take out the pandemic <laughs> part of it like let's just pretend that we're not in a pandemic anymore um <laughs> I like that. I like that game. <laughs> this is not happening. None of this is happening. <laughs> I feel like people are doing that anyways. Like people, some people who are doing that. So. Some people are. Yes. The biggest thing I could say is just do it. And it seems like um, a simple thing to say. And of course, I know that there are like, you know, financial constraints and whatnot. But I think uh, when I say just do it, it's like just take the step. Um, even if it's not um, as big a step as you want it to be, like if you want to be a, a designer, maybe start learning how you can make things on your own, you know, um, taking classes or just experimenting. Like that's how I started kind of learning how to sew things is just experimenting. 
-hmm. Um, There are a lot of like DIYs on YouTube. And then also don't, if you do start to where it's like super, I call it resourceful, super resourceful, because maybe you don't have all the resources that a big company would have or all the money Mm -hmm. and all of that. But just start sharing your creations. Just start sharing whatever it is that you create, even if you transform a t-shirt into a into a, a bag, you know, um, just share it, share it, create it, um, because that will lead to like experimenting with more things. Mm-hmm. And maybe you might even decide that, you know what, I don't like this aspect of it. Maybe this is another route that mm-hmm. I should, I should go in. Um, and then not downplaying the steps that you're taking as well. Um, and what I mean by that is like, um, you know, you may, your first products may not be that good. You know, they may not be, maybe you didn't sew it the best if, if you want to be a designer or whatnot, but don't downplay the progress that you make. Just keep going and keep doing it. But I think it starts with just taking the step. Even if it's, you know, you only have the resources to even get the name and go get a DBA. That's still a step, you know? So, um, or maybe you could, I mean, one thing that um, I've seen like that people really relate to is just sharing your journey with people. Like, you know, this is what I want to do. I don't have the resources to do it, but this is what I'm doing. You know, this is me going down to the um, looking, or this is me researching how to get an LLC, you know, and sharing what they learn, you know, just like just taking the steps to start something, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that you could do and not being afraid to take that leap. I totally agree. And I love what you said about that the first things that you produce might not be that great. (laughs) I find that to be such an obvious thing, but like not at the same time. Because I remember when I first um, posted my first video, it was the hardest thing to post for me. Like it was the hardest thing because it is that first step is very hard because I remember when I was like, when I was editing it, I was expecting it to kind of just like already be 10 years down the road perfection, you know? And then to realize like, this isn't that great. Like I (laughs) I don't like how this actually came out. Like I, it's not that great. And then just having to get past that and realizing like, I still just have to post it. So I can continue on to the next one. That was a hard step, but I love that you said that because I, like you say it and it sounds so obvious. Like, obviously my first one isn't going to be good, but (laughs) you just don't think that as you're doing it. You just think like you're going to produce it and it's going to just be good. It's just going to be exactly exactly. Exactly as I envisioned it. Yeah. And it's just not, and that's okay. (laughs) Right. And it's okay to reinvent too. I think that was like, you know, when I was first like working on my branding before I launched, I was um, watching this video on YouTube by, um, who is the lady? I think she was like the, um, I don't know if she was like a director of marketing or like an SVP or something, but for Kate Spade. So she was just talking about like, um, you know, branding and how um, branding is not something that it's just gonna be 100% the day that you create it. It's gonna evolve, it's gonna develop. So that's just something that you have to understand. You may not perfect it until three years in and then you're like, oh yes, my branding is solid now. This is how I see my company and this is the message that I'm trying to convey. So um, I think understanding that too, just understanding the ebbs and flows of, of what happens, you know.
well, that concludes our interview. My last, mm-hmm. last question. I know I said that this is my last Oh, question. that's okay. <laughs> this is definitely my last question. Um, where can people find you? Where can people find your pieces? Ooh, they can find my pieces on my website. So um, my Instagram is jo- um, at Joan Atelier, and there's a period between, um, so dot a dot n dot atelier and uh, my website is www.joanatelier.com um what else and then my like personal kind of creative page where i post like other of my creative works along with joan is shots shots fired va um because my name is vicky so va some people like to say ba no v a (laughs) (laughs) i do have a youtube like where i post uh, my videos, um, like just any of like my marketing type of promo stuff for Joan.